0: This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services providing
1: solutions for your success.
2: Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Randy Conan in studio, and we'll have a report from Sierra Doctor. To start things off today, we have Harvest Hotline brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Amity Technology and the North Dakota Mill. Bowdoin, North Dakota custom harvester Michael Miller's harvest season began in mid to late May in North Texas.
3: Vernon, Texas area, super dry there. Actually part of the area was good, part of the one side of town was bad. Um, went up into Oklahoma, uh, pretty dry through Oklahoma into south central Kansas, very dry. There was a lot of crops we didn't even get to harvest because it was so dry. And once we got to western Kansas, we've seen a lot better crops, a lot more work available. Uh, Eastern Colorado was pretty good to us. Uh, we went up to Billings, Montana area. They had some of the best crops they've ever had up that area. Throughout North Dakota, we spent a lot of time in North Dakota and uh, been all pretty good crops in North Dakota also throughout the year.
2: New Miller says there's still a lot of crop left to harvest in North Dakota
3: some flowers maybe a little bit left out there a lot of corn left out there all sitting in snow banks right now now I shouldn't say snow banks we've had a lot of places eight to ten inches of snow kind of blowing around got the end rows blowing in so the last we should be done with harvest right now but we haven't turned a wheel in probably over 10 days and we got a long ways to go right to get to get the corn off so um some of the best soybeans in, in central north dakota probably in a long long time maybe ever um same with corn right now there's some record record yields in corn We've got some combines way down in uh, southwestern North Dakota. Done very little there, but some of the best corn that guy's seen too so far. And it's kind of this theme all through North Dakota. Just got off the phone about an hour ago with a buddy in South Dakota looking for trucks because Falcon, South Dakota area, a record crop there too for corns.
4: Harvest season was a quick ordeal for Devil's Lake farmer Terry Borstead. Despite the dry growing season, yields on the small grains were memorable.
5: On our farm this year, we only had barley, winter wheat, and spring wheat. So, harvest uh, end of harvest came quickly for us. We were done by Labor Day. I've been farming for about 55 years, and for the total rainfall, this had to been the least rain during the growing season in my 55 years. But the harvest was unbelievable. I, I don't know where the yield came from. Our barley was much above normal. Spring wheat was about average. And a winter wheat uh, was about average. We were pleasantly surprised with harvest.
4: Fall field work and soil moisture are in good shape.
5: Field work uh, was very timely. We got done. Other word, uh, other than the price of what uh, the wheat and the barley is right now, um, everything's good. I did a little um, work uh, putting in some posts, and uh, uh, we've got pretty decent moisture um, So at least uh, compared to a year ago, uh, we're going into winter with uh, decent moisture.
2: Near Wolverton, Minnesota, Jay Nord has been back in the field for a few days. He's hoping weather will hold to finish up corn.
6: We did not switch from our soybeans to corn like some others did. Finally finished our soybeans. There's a lot of soybeans left in our area. When it rained on Labor Day, the soybeans decided to start growing again. Real nightmare to get uh, finished and combine. Uh, we finally got going again after uh, almost a week down between snow and rain, and uh, this is our third full day of combining corn again. And we have still eight nine days left.
2: Yields have been variable, although the timing has been an in, a bit inconvenient. He's grateful for moisture that'll help the crop next spring.
6: We had some really nice soybeans and some really bad soybeans, and uh, so far our corn has been a little bit more disappointing than we thought. The bad corn is really bad, and the good corn is pretty nice, where it's nice. And uh, from uh, planting of soybeans and corn, we had five and a half inches of rain. We've had about six since Labor Day. So uh, we needed the rain for next year, but we could have used a little bit of it in uh, uh, July and August.
4: Harvest is almost wrapped up for Cocado, Minnesota farmer Harlan Anderson.
5: Our primary crop is alfalfa. We also raise corn, soybeans, wheat, and oats. We have one field of corn to harvest, and then we're done.
4: Anderson is happy with what came from this growing season.
5: If this was a dry season and it was bad, give me more of them. It was a very a very pleasant surprise when we harvested. and uh, but It was pleasant that it, it was a little bit early this year, so it was kind of fun, and no, I think the harvest was a pleasant
4: surprise. And that's Harvest outline brought to you by Amity Technology, the North Dakota Mill, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services.
2: The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned the EPA's revocation of all tolerances for food uses of chlorpyrifos. Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association Executive Director Harrison Weber is pleased with this decision but remains cautious
1: it's definitely a win for us and i don't want to take that away but there are a lot of hoops yet uh you know that need to need to be jumped through a lot of things have happened and over the course of the last year and a half two years when this whole process kind of began you know there's certain registrations that have lapsed or certain registrants that have you know voluntarily pulled their registration and so you know over the next 50 60 days uh as the appeals process kind of
2: Farmers are being asked to take a wait-and-see approach.
1: You know, hopefully by the springtime here, we're going to have an answer. Um, you know, we've talked about is there availability of clopyrifos out there? You know, that's certainly on our mind. I know there are a number of producers that were holding on to it, and, and that's fantastic. But you know, just wait until uh, wait until we give you the green light.
4: Foreign ownership of farmland remains a hot topic nationwide. According to a new report from the American Farm Bureau, foreign investors and companies own approximately 3% of privately held agricultural land in the U.S. Canadian investors have the largest share of that farmland with 31%. Many, many policymakers have focused on China, but the Farm Bureau report said Chinese ownership represents just three hundredths of one percent of all agricultural land in the United States and is equal to an average size county in Ohio. Reporting Agriculture's Business, this is the Red River Farm Network.
2: Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network, South Dakota offered up one of their finest for FFA's star in agri-science. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor reports. Our coverage of
7: the 96th National FFA Convention and Expo is brought to you by CHS, the nation's largest farmer-owned cooperative and proud supporter of FFA. A Country, Farm Credit Services, Associated Milk Producers Incorporated and its Dinnerbell Creamery, Proceed, and Corteva. McCook Central FFA chapter member Hadley Stiefvater never dreamed she would be going up against some of the best in the nation to earn the American star in agriscience. Fodder's supervised agricultural experience spans across five projects through
8: eighth grade, which includes from feed type effects on laying pullet production, hemoglobin levels in neonatal piglets. I've done salmonella reduction in dairy calves through refined functional carbohydrates, blockchain technology on consumer meat purchases and gestation stanchion length differences in an open pen gestation system, and then I had some secondary opportunities as I entered college and I completed a research internship with Pipestone Systems where I learned about the swine clinical research side. I was a bacteriology assistant in the South Dakota State University Animal Disease Research and Diagnostic Lab." Steve Fodder currently attends South Dakota State University and majors in animal science. FFA has taught me a variety of things and has also granted me a wide variety of opportunities to grow as a leader, develop those skills that will serve me as a workforce employee, um, has given me contacts to people in the industry to help me grow and develop my knowledge, and has given me the skills in animal health and clinical research that have allowed me to develop the knowledge to better the animal industry. So I think all those things have really propelled me in my college career. um, It set me up for success as an animal science student, and as an ag leadership major having those experiences and knowledge to pull off of." The American Stars will be announced at the 7th General Session this evening.
7: Coverage of convention is sponsored by Minnesota Farmers Union, South Dakota Farmers Union, Farm Credit Services of Mandan, Nutrien, Minnesota Farm Bureau, and Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor here on the Red River Farm Network.
4: As results trickle in from the National FFA Convention, one team from North Dakota found themselves on the national stage last night. Carrington FFA Farm Business Management Team member Emma Hone says they spent countless hours together studying and preparing for the contest. And
6: I guess for me, it was like I led our group onto stage, and the girl goes, take it all in. And so I took a deep breath, and I looked around, and it really was like, this is it. This is what I've worked for. This is, it was just amazing. I lost my breath. I have no words for like to describe it. It's just speechless. Like, so many people and they're all cheering for you and it's so exciting.
4: Team member Brian Harris, who placed in the top 10 in the nation, says there was tough competition at Indy. The most challenging part of it was really the mental, like,
0: the doubt that I had about myself and how I could compare to others and how we're um, going to accomplish this really big feat at a national level.
2: Daniel Johnson from Ada Borup West FFA is one of four finalists for the American Star Farmer Award. Daniel's parents, John and Lorraine Johnson, walked across the stage today to receive their honorary American degree. John was a member of the FFA in the 1970s.
3: Well, it's grown a lot, you know, and uh, there's a lot more involvement, I think, in the different uh, areas for, for kids that maybe didn't grow up on a farm. And so when I w- was first in it, you know, it wasn't many years before that that uh, girls weren't even uh, members. They were, uh, you know, it was in the 70s that, uh, that that changed. So, yeah, it's a lot more inclusive, I think, for, for people not only from uh, the farm but for the, you know, urban areas too. Yeah,
2: already. Lorraine Jossend watched her three children gain a lot of skills through FFA developed uh, not only in their SAE and CDE topics, but, you know, in um, being able to hold different roles in FFA leadership roles or meeting people and the friendships that they've made and um, just getting to travel around, meet kids, you know, from other areas. And uh, it's benefited them in a lot of ways. I guess one of the best organizations they could have been in, I think, so. This is... The Red River Farm Network.
4: Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Michael Johnson. Michael, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? This
0: week I visited with some school nutrition staff down at Hutchinson, Litchfield, Bassel, Cocado. They're in south-central Minnesota about their farm-to-school program. They've been pushing pretty hard since 2020 to be more reliant on local farmers to meet their food needs. And uh, they've been able to work with uh, 12 to 13 different farmers during a school menu where they can build up the diversity and nutrient value of their foods. This year they were able to switch over to 100% locally grown beef, which has been a big boost to their menu, and the kids seem to really enjoy
4: it. Now, do the farmers have to meet certain requirements then, too, to get to be eligible for this type of a program?
0: Well, there's a lot of local farmers who basically, if they just have currently a CSA or farmer's market uh, where they're doing a lot of vegetables, they're, they're certainly eligible to provide veggies and fruits to the school. Um, the, the meat side of things is a little bit different as far as licensing to have that available. So that's four different areas that are all working together. They serve about 6,500 students every day, and they're all getting a variety of that locally grown food for the most part. The goal was to just limit processed foods as much as possible,
4: and it seems to be working for them. Well, Michael, sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week.
2: Taking a look at markets before we leave you, Minneapolis, December wheat, 9.5 higher at 720 and a quarter. March, also 9.5 higher. Chicago wheat, 7 higher at 572 and a half. Kansas City, 2 cents higher at 643 and a half. Corn, December futures, 7.5 higher at 477 and a half. Soybeans, January, 23 and three quarters higher at 1352. March, soybeans, 24 higher at 1366. Live cattle, December futures down 70 cents at 183.97. February live cattle, $1.12 lower at 185.30. Feeder cattle, November down $1.82. Lean hogs, December, $1.70 lower at $71.57. This is the Red River Farm Network.